1: Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Taryn Finley, a senior culture reporter at HuffPost, and this is I Know That's Right, a weekly podcast about the latest in culture, entertainment, and trending conversations. Pull up a chair, pour up a glass, and get ready. We're going to a place where mainstream news and the Wild West of internet culture collide. From the news that makes us say I Know That's Right to the mess you know is dead wrong, I'm breaking down the week that was, and we've got a lot to talk about. Then, as always, I'll bring in a friend for an in-depth conversation. This week, we're talking all about pussy rap and what the latest wave of women in rap mean for hip-hop with trap feminist and scholar Cecily Bowen. First things first, let's talk about some pop culture news this week. And what a better way to start than with a story that makes me say I know that's right. This week, I'm saying I know that's right to Victoria Monet and her daughter Hazel Monet. Like her song suggests, it's her motherfucking moment, y'all. Victoria earned seven Grammy nominations, making her the second most nominated artist behind SZA, who received nine nominations. But that's not it. With these nods, her two-year-old daughter, little Precious Hazel Monet, became the youngest person in history to earn a Grammy nomination for her feature appearance on *Hollywood*. Alongside Earth, Wind, and Fire, might I mention the biggest flex, okay? Victoria posted a video of her, her family, her team celebrating as they learned about these Grammy nominations. And you watch it and hear their shouts for joy, and you just can't cheese from ear to ear. I mean, listen to this little snippet of Victoria and Hazel. Oh my God, Hazel's little voice is just so precious. The Jaguar 2 singer cleaned up in two of the four big categories, including Record of the Year for On My Mama and Best New Artist. And she also got noms for Best R&B Song and Best R&B Album for Jaguar 2.
2: You're doing amazing, sweetie.
1: But let me tell y'all how Karma likes to play games. I know y'all remember. A few months ago, MTV told the singer-songwriter that it was, quote-unquote, too early in her career for her to perform or be recognized at the VMAs. (laughs) Now look who's got the last laugh. MTV sent her a congratulatory tweet, but... Y'all are looking funny in the light for not seeing greatness here and now.
0: That's
2: weird.
1: I see you though, Victoria. Congrats to you, Hazel, and the team. It's not only a big year for her, but it's a big year for R&B at the Grammys, so we'll see how things play out. I know that's right. Now, let's talk about a story that I don't think is quite right. So, Young Jeezy, I actually think he just goes by Jeezy now, but I knew, I knew and grew up with him as Young Jeezy, okay? He recently sat down with Nia Long to talk about healing therapy in their public breakups. Both of their breakups were very public. I know y'all remember Nia Long's ugly breakup with ex Celtic coach Eme Adoku. During this one-hour conversation between Jeezy and Nia, which you can find on YouTube, The actor is basically giving Jeezy a free therapy session for our consumption. That's really how I read it. The two talked about their very public breakups, once again, forgiveness, and what healing looks like for them. The topic of the conversation and vulnerable conversations like this between public figures are very needed, and I applaud them for opening up to their fans, but I couldn't help but to think... Something was a little off while watching it. And then I got to this part.
3: And the reason why I wanted to talk to you because you are my sister. And this is a safe space for me to say what I need to say. Because at times when we're at our lowest, we need our sisters. Just like you guys need your brothers. And that's why this conversation was so real because I hope and I pray that this conversation can open up different conversations in our culture about being there for each other and not being at odds with each other, no matter what we've been through. And, you know, I gotta give you your flowers. You know, you've you you you've done an amazing job and maintaining your integrity throughout your career, right? As a person, as a human being. And it meant the world to me to sit across from you and just to tell you my story. As a man, I just hope that women, our women, Black women in particular, could see this and give us a safe space.
1: Now, this was promoted as a conversation and not an interview, right? But it felt like Nia was interviewing Jeezy and asking him way more questions than he was asking her, which made it feel like Jeezy was hogging up the air. And it dawned on me why I wasn't as moved by this conversation as I wanted to be, I've seen this happen so often where a woman is expected to hold space for a man in a way that is draining and not always reciprocated. We have to have as women, a level of empathy for men that they either don't know how to give back or just refuse to. Of course, this isn't, I'm i am not saying all men. So the all men brigade, like, please don't come over here with this because you will get blocked. But this I'm noticing especially happens with black men's relationship with black women and low key. I think it's an extension of the mammy narrative, but I'm not going to dive that deep today, child. I'm going to just implore y'all to go do your Googles, read some books, all that. I don't think that there was any malintent. And I, I, I do think that their hearts were probably in a good space in doing this conversation, but it was just severely lopsided. And I don't know if the purpose was really as helpful for women as it was for men. And that's okay sometimes. But at the same time, we do take on a lot of responsibility for lifting men up in ways that they don't lift us up. And fellas, I'm glad y'all are starting to go to therapy. But if you don't hold that same emotional space for women that they do for you, and you expect them to build you up when you're down, you might as well pay her to be your therapist, bruh, you know? Some people got some good out of the conversation. Okay, cool, I'm I'm glad y'all did, but yeah, I don't know if that was for me. I wanna move on to what's dead wrong this week, but first I wanna give a trigger warning. This next story involves some heavy stuff, including talk about domestic violence. And if you would like to skip ahead, we'll put the timestamp in the description for when this segment is wrapped. This, this story had my heart so heavy and, and still does. Kiki Palmer filed for and was granted a domestic violence restraining order against her ex-boyfriend, Darius Jackson. And she was also granted temporary sole custody of their eight-month-old son, Leotis. The actress has requested full custody and cited many instances of alleged domestic abuse, claiming that Darius struck her and grabbed her by the neck. Some disturbing photos of the alleged abuse captured by cameras from within Palmer's home also surfaced on the internet. Darius has since denied these claims and started to delete posts from his Instagram. Darius's brother, an insecure actor, Saronis Jackson, also tweeted and deleted something that had a lot of people on social media kind of confused, but people were assuming that he was calling Kiki Palmer, the most disgusting, vile, abusive, manipulative person that he's ever encountered in his entire life, which, whoa, to which Kiki Palmer's mom, who we've barely heard address the public in her child's 20 years in the industry, had this to say. He
3: taught his brother how to be abusive so he don't get to act like he's this special guy. No, you're a boy and you're a part of the problem.
1: Soronis has since denied that as well, but I don't want to get too far off from this main story. This situation is so sad and it feels like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Social media has already proven that, as you can tell. When the report dropped, everyone's opinions ran wild. And even though none of us know all of the facts and details, I know three things that are very clear to me right here and now. The first one is, it typically takes a woman seven times to leave an abusive relationship. Not only that, we know that Black women experience a higher rate of abuse than many others. Secondly, when Darius wrote that tweet policing Kiki's sexy outfit that she wore when Usher serenaded her, like we all saw the tweet hurt around the world that ended up exploding into something bigger. It was women who pointed out that This is abusive behavior, but a lot of people ignored it and laughed or sided with him for policing her outfit because, quote unquote, she's a mother, which is bullshit. Lastly, so much of social media constantly shows how much the world disregards black women's safety and livelihood. And it happens time and time again. It happened with Megan the Stallion. It happened with a 34-year-old Florida woman who was found shot dead 40 minutes after filing a police report against her ex-boyfriend. And we're seeing it happen with Kiki already. This story makes my heart so heavy, especially because a child is involved here. I mean, we all grew up watching Kiki Palmer on our screens and seeing how boisterous and how unapologetically herself she is. And this story is a clear reminder that abuse doesn't have one look or one face and the strongest people can be going through hell behind closed doors. I just hope that as this story unfolds, we can talk about it with empathy instead of language that victim planes, because this is truly just terrible. All right, y'all, those are the headlines of the week, but the conversation doesn't have to stop here. I want to hear what you all have to say about these stories. Make sure to hit me up on socials at underscore tearing it up, and let's continue to have the conversation over there. Next up, I'll be bringing in author and the bad fat black girl herself, Cecily Bowen to chat The Sexy Red Effect, Trap Feminism, and all things Pussy rat. Stay tuned.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify.
1: I'm really excited to welcome a special guest and friend to the show she's a journalist scholar author of the book bad fat black girl and host of the only podcast dedicated to women femme and queer rappers the one the only the realest, cecily bowen hey girl hey hey
2: friend how Period. you doing
1: I am so wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. You are one of the first people that I wanted to have on the show. So I'm really happy that you can come. But I've always been really connected to you specifically via your taste in music and your takes on music, takes on women in hip hop, not only just women in hip hop, but like what we're here to talk about today, Mm -hmm. pussy rap. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're going to get into how it empowers, how it redefines women, specifically Black women's agency over our own sexualities and bodies, but also talk about how it's police from time to time and how it's changing today. When did you first fall in love with Pussy Rap? So it was definitely the first time that I heard Trina's
2: verse on Nan. Ooh. I tell this story all the time. Like that really was just like such a formative moment in me growing up and coming of age. And like, there were like other like raunchy songs that I'd heard before, but nothing like that. Nothing was like that. There was the like demand in her voice. There was the Mm -hmm. insistence kind of, right? That like, not only is this... Trina did not come on this verse and say, like, here are some of the things that I would be open to and down for if you're down for it. It was like, nah, like, this is what I do and this is what I expect, period. Even before I heard the explicit version and, like, understood a few years later, you know, kind of everything she was talking about, I still knew that there was so much audacity to say it, to say it in that way and... I always say, like, you know, there are just a few moments in life where I feel like black girls in particular get a glimpse of someone who shows them what the possibility is for them if they choose to do what they want to do versus choosing to do what is expected of them. And hearing that verse was really one of those moments for me where I was like, oh. I think it's more lit to do what you want to do.
1: Like No, for real. Like what no, is that real. like? Yeah, and it's something it's something about specifically Trina for me as well. Like she she really helped me lean into my confidence when I was young in a way that I wasn't that I didn't allow myself or the world didn't really allow me to back then. And I really think it was, what was it? Was it the Diamond Princess album? No, it was the pink album. It was the pink Still album. Still the right? baddest. Period. Still the baddest. Yes. Still yes. the baddest. I remember listening to Still the Baddest, like up and down in high school, like killing yes. you hoes. Like yes. literally all of it. Um look back at it. Uh look back. Hot commodity. Ah. Come on. Does pussy feel better than a lottery? Don't Don't lie to me. me. I'm a high commodity. commodity, Period. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and it just, it just awoken something in me as I Mm -hmm. transitioned, like, from a teen to a woman and and really was something that sustained. And it's something that I listen to even to this day when I'm feeling down or feeling like, damn, like... I ain't my hottest today. Like, girl, no. uh Uh-uh. Like, that was my girl get up. That was my girl get up.
2: I tell people all the time, like, if y'all are going through breakups and not feeling good, if y'all don't turn that fucking summer walker off and put y'all some Trina on, like, stand up. Stand up. You you go listen to that other stuff after you've processed. Mm -hmm. After you've, you know what I mean? Like, when you are... uh, When you just want to, you know, reflect on, you know, the more vulnerable places that you've been, when you got to get up and get out
1: and get something, baby, put your Trina on, put your Trina on. Okay. (laughs) No, for real. And like, I, I, I definitely think that like we are in, you know, that space where a lot more girls are like, okay, you know what? this sad like there's definitely like some a space for sad music and i think that you know that is is still having its moment but i i do think that a lot of girls at least from what i'm seeing are like okay we're not about to do this anymore we about to you know sit up here and and really pop our shit i'm wondering how pussy rap specifically influenced how you viewed your own agency coming into womanhood it has so much to do with that Mm -hmm. because what it, what it really
2: is about quote unquote pussy rap is the confidence. It is the audacity. It is the agency. Rappers have been rapping about very explicit sex scenes for a very long time, you know, since, you know, hip hop itself, if you will. So you know pussies have been in rap for quite some time but what it is about female rappers who do that is the intentionality and the centering of their own pleasure and you have to have a certain level of autonomy and agency in order to feel that like you you can't really feel pussy rap if you don't if you're not on some type of journey to like claim that for yourself Mm. you really, you really can't like you, you're, you're missing the point by a mile. And I think that's why so many people, a lot of times people who either aren't, you know, who aren't on that journey or who aren't women or femmes can't relate and think it's stupid or think that it's, you know, um, irrelevant because for them, all they hear is the pussy of it all. But like, they're not putting that in the context of the culture that we live in, which is one where like Black girls are constantly denied pleasure, constantly denied reasons to um, do what they want because we are socialized to exist in service of other people all the time, in which where we're supposed to rely on respectability politics to be our golden ticket into whatever um, mobility or spaces that we wanna access. And so the agency piece, was always how I tapped in because like when I was initially listening to those songs, like the first thing I heard was not, Oh, I want to go do all of the sexual things that I'm hearing on these songs. It was "No, I want to feel like that. I want to walk in a room and like command attention like that. I want to be treated like that. I want to have access. I want to be successful like that. I want to, okay. you know what I mean? Like I want to get to the bag like that.
1: And I think that that nuance is, 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 overlooked. Exactly. And a lot of people lack the depth in critical thinking to even understand beyond that kind of surface and beyond like what the actual bigger picture is. I want to get a lot of that. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm really glad that you that you said that and even what you were just saying up top because that nuance is important. And it, it is one that we're missing. I'm sorry. Like I'm hearing a lot of like, tell black stories. I love to tell black women's stories. I love to tell black women's stories, but like, and, and specifically wanting to do that through interviewing like female rappers. But like, if you ain't never read John Morgan, when chicken heads come home to roost, if you don't have any mm. concept of feminism and, and what black feminism or what hip hip hop feminism is, or what trap feminism is like, you're not all the way there yet. Because it's, it's not just that we're here. We've always, we, we've always been here. It's actually like, when I think about empowerment and female rap, where it lives is the fact that they are using their lyrics and their visuals and their personas. They are literally creating a world that does not exist yet. And it's one where like black women's pleasure and success and joy and interests and desires and wants are at the center of the universe.
1: It's Afrofuturism. Like- it's Honestly. Afrofuturism, to be because honest. Because that's not
2: the world we live in. If we look no. at this, st- like, it, 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 and it's so funny because I was just talking to my best friend about this. Somebody was saying that, you know, this guy, they knew what money was talking about. You know, how guys with money are just so fatigued from like meeting all these people who like want them for their money. But I'm like, do a survey of your friend group. How many of your friends, how many of the black women friends, you know, who are actually dating somebody for money? Like this this myth that like, that that is somehow a reality because that's what we're hearing in the music. That just simply is not true.
1: It's not. It's really not. It's it's so removed from from reality. But I want to talk about, you know, it's what you were saying at the top. You know, I'm going to add your name to that. If you're not reading a Cecily Bowen, then you you don't know what's going on. And even if you don't read, if you don't know how to read, baby. Everybody got TikTok. Get Everybody got to get on your
2: Tic get on, you your, know,
1: your YouTubes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We can't talk about pussy rap without talking about sex work. Right. Mm, and absolutely. there are spaces. Well, I want to ask you, like, where does the sex work community get to thrive within pussy rap? And. On the other hand, where can pussy rap do better by sex workers?
2: This is me approaching this, obviously, as an aficionado and a lover of pussy rap and also as someone who still identifies as a member of the sex work community. I am. Um, I have worked as a sex worker before. I There are people that I love who are sex workers. Where does sex work exist within pussy rap? So when I talk about like the appropriation of hood girl culture, a lot of what I'm talking about also is the appropriation of whole culture, a lot of tools and tricks and ways of presenting that sex workers have mastered for centuries for their work are being performed As a way to show different ways of, um, for different ways of performing femininity, um, for different ways of performing opulence, bad bitchery, and all of its many forms. A lot of that has to do with what I call whole culture. And also, if we're just talking about a, a foundational premise that your pussy, your erotic labor, your emotional labor, the time that you spend providing emotional or romantic support to someone is inherently valuable. That's the basis of an entire economy that has existed since before hip hop existed. Right. Yeah. Like that is sex work. We can't ignore that, but I do just want to be careful about having conversations about how sex work exists within pussy rap, because it's important not to conflate the two mm-hmm. because there are very real um political, legal, social, yes. and cultural issues that are deeply impacting sex work that makes their work extremely dangerous, that makes it unsafe for them to come out, stigma that impacts them that we cannot solve in like the arena of popular culture, right? Right. Like those are, those are conversations about access to resources and decriminalizing sex work and, you know, um, addressing systemic patriarchy in, in our culture that, you know, leaves uh, women vulnerable or that create an underground economy that women who need to access resources to feed themselves and feed their families have to get into. Right. So that is bigger than pop culture, but to your point in terms of what, pussy rap can be doing for sex work is, first and foremost, stop stealing from whole culture and then acting like you're above whole culture, first Come and foremost. Come on. You know, Ruby Rose does OnlyFans. That's one business, but she also is a rapper and she makes music. And I think that the main reason that Ruby Rose is not taken as seriously as a rapper is because she also does extremely well as an OnlyFans creator because she has not separated herself from the sex work people feel that they cannot take her seriously in the rap game and that is also frustrating because we don't do that to niggas who sell drugs no we don't tell them we don't or pimp or any of that we don't tell them well if you want to rap about selling drugs or pimping, we kind of it would be better if we didn't think that that was something that you actually were doing like or that was something you know what i mean like we don't demand that of anybody it's it's absolutely it's actually the opposite
1: it, it's it's the the free him till they free him period it's all of that to the other know? way like okay you know
2: what i'm saying like it's 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 all of that and so i think that's the one thing that pussy rat can be doing more of for um sex workers is acknowledging the impact that sex work um has on their craft and their performance
1: yeah i'm i'm glad you brought that up specifically like with Suki, because I think that she's facing um, a lot of the struggles in being taken seriously as a rapper, as Ruby Rose is. And I was having a conversation with my boyfriend a couple months ago because, you know, Suki and Sexy Red, you know, they like this. They type. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of respects, like, they've, they've collabed a lot and a lot of people, like, see them in a similar lane. But the difference in Suki in Sexy Red and you talk about this um, you talked about this in a recent TikTok video that really it it was funny because we were having this conversation one day the next day you posted that video and you were breaking down why men specifically like Sexy Red more than they like Sukiyana. not saying that men are the sum of hip hop fans listeners you know because they really not but you know, the the difference really is so interesting in Sexy Red, you know, really talking about talking about a lot of shit that men like sexually, a lot of shit that men like in the streets, even down to like her beats, you know, female Gucci right. made my shit. And then Suki very much letting these niggas know like you gonna have to pay for it. You know, right. so can you get into kind of what this debate and what this conversation says about how we view pussy rap and and also just like get into in into the comparisons that folks are making.
2: Absolutely, because I will say because alongside that there is also such a strong pushback against sexy red from women, from women. Yes. Which is so which is also so fascinating to see and I'm and I'm actually going to get into why, what I think is happening there okay. because there aren't these explicit lines from Sexy Red, at least not on Hood's Hottest Princess. There are a few in some of her older songs from before she kind of blew up, but there aren't any explicit lines on there about you know how expensive her coochie is. She really actually raps a lot about liking sex just for the sake of liking it. Like, I, I just need. My coochie stretch, like that's that's just what I need right now, period, you know? And I know who do it the best, Okay. <laughs> period, right? So like, <laughs> you know, we need more of that and that's Elaine. But I also think men latch on to that because she is not, it's it's not about, yeah, and I, I, I actually am only doing this like for the highest bidder or because this is about like my worth and my time. Like, no, this is just something that I desire. This is a part of my pleasure and this is what I want to do. Whereas... Suki has really contextualized sexuality as a performance—one that she is extremely good at providing for people, but also as a as a method of survival, as a method of social and economic mobility in her music. Like Suki is talking about, you know, this this coochie cost. Basically, you know, I think that niggas like that from Sexy Red, and they don't like that from Sukiana. The reason for that is because, again, we are we live in a culture where we're like black women in particular are not socialized to prioritize their their pleasure and sexuality in that way. But also they are shunned for expecting men to support and help facilitate Mm. them achieving those things, Mm. because that's really the difference. Mm. That's really the difference, because really it's like. If you want to be in my life, you have to add something of value to it, okay? Foundationally, that's what's at the heart of all pussy rap. That's what what's at the heart for Sexy Red. If I want some dick, I need you to bring it. I need it to be good. For Sikiana, if I want some money, if I want to access you know, certain things, and, and you also want to have access to my body, you're going to have to r- run something for it. And I think men are just more comfortable contributing dick and problems <laughs> more so than they are money you know money and resources
1: (laughs) I mean honestly like yeah yeah no that's that's very real and to
2: be clear part of it is because they don't have a lot lot of money and resources too often they they have more dick and problems than they have money and resources but what I think is interesting is how knowing those two things to be the difference is interesting to me how um the two of them get conflated because I don't hear Sexy Red being talked about as a pussy rapper as often as I do other people, right. even though she's constantly she literally, talking about her pussy. It's always my I coochie need,
1: pink, my booty hole brown. Like and she, I need
2: y'all to understand mm-hmm. that it ain't got shit to do with the coochie, y'all. It is about the fact that Black women are demanding to be treated better, demanding to have access to um, or to be benefited financially Um, and with resources for giving people access to their bodies and their time. And I also need people to understand that they're not asking for that shit just because they're asking for that because we live in a culture where men and masculine presenting people who want access to women and femmes body and time do not have emotional skills to offer. They don't have a lot of sexual skills to offer. And this is what the studies are showing us. Straight women are not orgasming at the same rates that men are. Uh when when women when married women get sick, it is often them in, in the uh marriage ends. It is 90% of the time the man who leaves. What are the intimate partner violence statistics? Uh black women are most likely to die at the hands of of of, of our partners. We have like very real lived experiences that show that like, no, we can't come to this table talking about some, well, and it would just be nice if you could like love and accept me because like, y'all don't have that to give. Like, so here's what we're asking for. And I think that that context is so important because it's not just that like black women are just like asking, this is how we choosing to work instead of going to work. No, we working just like y'all asses is.
1: Yeah. I have been getting so offended lately because I feel like there have been, to your earlier point a lot of women coming up to me and like just bashing sexy red as if I'm going to agree with them. And it makes me like, okay, what about me says that I wouldn't listen to sexy red and that I wouldn't be a fan and whatever that is, I need to change that because it, for me, I remember when we were talking, um, uh for i run this last year and i asked you about what um what your hopes were for the future of women in hip-hop specifically it was versatility and the excitement that i feel when i listen to sexy red and the excitement that i feel when i as men as she is i'm gonna still go up for her i spice you know like I, I think we're seeing more of that versatility and like specifically on to Sexy Red. I went to her show in New York and I'm going to be honest, it felt like it felt like 2010. Like I have not been to a a, a rap concert specifically with that kind of energy. And there's something up. special there. There's something that you cannot deny um I'm wondering what your experience was there and what you're seeing now are you like do you feel like that kind of um like your your desire and want to see more versatility in women in hip-hop do you think that like we're starting to see more of that
2: so I do want to say that I do think that a lot of the versatility like already exists, right? Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like we've been had our baby mothers, we've been right, had our Rico right. nasties, we've been had our no names, we've been had our cellos from Chicago, we've been had, you know, like I, I think that the, the versatility has existed. What I, I what, what I'm thinking is going to happen is that. Female rappers in particular are, I think what's happened with them is that it's went in reverse where this sub genre really caught the attention of the mainstream first. And I think that it's really about to capture like underground audiences. I think people who go to shows and go to niche shows, like I think we're going to see that like it's going to be the girl rappers who are really dominating that kind of like underground hip hop scene. Because here's what I will say about Sexy Red and why people are coming up to you thinking that you're aligned with, you know, maligning Sexy Red. People don't like Sexy Red because Sexy Red is not cosplaying as a hood bitch. Sexy Red is a real hood bitch. Let's just be clear about that. Sexy Red is not sweetie, sexy, because even, even honestly, even with City Girls, those are real hood bitches, but... They're pop stars now. So we know that there's a certain level of access that they have to wealth. We know that there is a certain, you know, we know that they are are translatable to certain, you know, because they have a global fandom. Sexy Red is a hood bitch for real. And that is making people uncomfortable for two reasons. One, because if we're being honest, and re- this is the reason trap feminism exists, is because we still actually do not accept, respect, or appreciate hood bitches. Period. We don't. We like everything that they represent. We like the aesthetic. We like the culture, but we don't fuck with them for real, for real. And that's what makes people uncomfortable about Sexy Red. She represents everything that is antithetical to respectability politics. And also, I think for a lot of Black women, people like sexy red run the risk of exposing the fact that they are not real bitches and they've been cosplaying like they are thinking that just liking, Oh yeah, I love female rap. I love female rap. You know what I'm saying? While, while, while they know that they are actually aspiring to be everything that sexy red is not. And if we allow space for people like that to come into the room, then we're gonna start having the real. Com- That's when we're gonna start having real conversations about yeah. sex work and about uh, capitalism yeah. and about what it actually means to support uh, b- black and brown people, right?
1: Because if you're gonna shit on sexy red, then you're not gonna protect young black girls in the hood. Period. You just
2: not. You're not. And when in all of the shit that you're talking about black women needing, you're not actually, you don't actually have in mind the people who need that shit the most. You're thinking of like college educated girls who, you know, want to lean into their soft life. You get what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, you feel me? I know
1: know exactly what you, what you say. It's just, (laughs) it's just really laughable, you know, because it, you, you would hope that we were there and you would hope that especially after after all this, after after folks was in the streets, after folks, you know, the hashtag activism, you would think that there would be a bit more um even compassion, you know, for other black folks, even if they but there that elitism, like it still exists, and it it it's shown through at least what I'm seeing through your musical taste. And if yeah. you are are just keen to like jump on and shit on a sexy red, then... I, like, I don't know. There's something yeah. about I, that that I just know makes how me you're look treating, at you sideways. I know how you're
2: treating the loud black girls in the movie theater. I know how you're treating yeah. the girls who got the fighting outside of the outside of the place because somebody probably really did disrespect them. So I know how you're treating them. I know how you're looking at them. You know what I mean? When the police get called on them, I know you probably relieved, right? Like, not, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's so funny, Taryn, because, you know, a lot of people in our industry, we, you know, it's kind of like the running joke right now. All of that diversity money we was getting in 2020, 2021 and dried up. Like, they they don't care. (laughs) They don't care about niggas no more, y'all. All all of that diversity shit is over. They've stopped pretending. It's, It's over. But that really is being felt. I'm seeing that shit broadly. I'm seeing that shit even amongst some of our community, right? Yeah. Who is like who? I'm so glad I can stop pretending to care about all that ghetto ass shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like who? Like I'm 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 so glad that I can just like Megan Stallion and just say period. Yeah. You know what I'm saying again? Like I don't have to actually like, oh the ghetto. Like I I feel like. <laughs> I feel like people are really happy to like be stepping away from that and I'm seeing it and I'm definitely seeing it in response to people like Sexy Red in response to people like Sukiana, and I feel like you know going back to Ruby Rose one of the things that's been happening with Ruby Rose is that you know people have been calling her she made that song like hood hood nigga aesthetic or whatever yeah or hood bitch aesthetic and people were like you know she's cosplaying the hood aesthetic she's you know whatever whatever and I'm like all of the girls are <laughs> say
1: that again okay
2: (laughs) most of them most most of them are like at the end of the day like at the end of the day Ruby Rose finished high school in Atlanta and then she went to Georgia State she didn't go to Spelman she didn't go to Clark she went to Georgia State I went to Georgia State I can tell you right now Georgia State is not an HBCU Georgia State is a predominantly black school there are no um and if you a bougie black girl you go to Spelman like that's the school that people go to when they cannot afford to go to Emory go to Spelman go to you know Georgia Tech things like that like it makes perfect sense to me that Ruby Rose who spent her formative years in Atlanta behaves that way. Like that, none of that seems unreasonable, unreal to me. Like that's just how people are. Like, it's not about, and also when you from the hood, you know, like, yeah, it's going to be that one, them two random white girls that live in the hood and they mixed kids is running around.
1: And let's also, let's also note that it feels like a lot of the girls are like, I saw this tweet. It was like, oh, was Drake with Sexy Red or was Sexy Red with Drake as far as like having that feature, as far as like taking that photo because the Rat Boys, they they are, they're trying, they're seeing what's going on. And and also
2: let's be clear, we're talking about Drake, someone who from the moment he stepped in his, into this industry lacked what hood credibility someone who has been trying to build that up and failing miserably since he's been in the fucking industry i don't know what i i, I no t no shade to all my friends out there who are drake fans but like when i meet a drake stand like somebody like somebody who really is into drake somebody who I'm, had I, that that heart and they caesar i'm just <laughs> and, oh no and this is male or female i'm always just like yeah like I I, yeah like I we grew up a little different we grew up a little we grew up a little different like I like a couple Drake songs my homegirls like a couple Drake songs like I don't know no fucking Drake stands because all of my bitches think that that nigga is corny all the niggas I know think he's corny (laughs) he's a cornball there's no amount of money there's no there's no good of a song that can unlame you
1: I do want to make sure that we talk about purse first though you launched it of course With Pierre Phipps of the Freaky Boys Mm. in twenty twenty one, legendary Freaky Boys. Okay, (laughs) the legendary Freaky Boys, legendary. The original city (laughs) girl. Hello, hello. (laughs) And I love that. Like y'all saw this void in the industry, and y'all are still very much carrying it on your backs as the only show, the only platform dedicated to the films and um and the girls. The the girls and the girls. The girls and and the girls. The girls and the girls (laughs) of rap. Y'all four seasons in, and Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what's changed. uh, What have y'all seen change in the game um, from when y'all started versus now?
2: Purse First launched in at the very top of 2021. So we are about to hit the three-year mark. And one of the major things obviously has been like, the versatility of the girls. I I definitely still think that that is a, a, a direction that we're heading, but I also think the speed with which the rap girls catch on like watching. Okay. So we all know, I always tell the story about this one about Megan Thee Stallion. I love Meg and was an early hottie. I was still working in media at the time. I was going after interviews and profiles with her, her first Feature interview for Refinery, I did. Her first feature for Nylon, I did. But even then, like from the Stally Freestyle, right, from when we got, um, say, Captain Hook, right, or Big Old Freak, the amount of time that 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 was over the course of a couple years. The quickness with which Ice Spice has become Ice Spice.
1: Literally blinked.
2: The quickness with which Sexy Red has become Sexy Red is happening so fast. That's been amazing to see. But I do want to be careful with that because we need enough time to see what it means like for the longevity, because the truth is that we're in a TikTok generation and folks just don't have the same attention spans. (laughs) And also with things happening so fast, we start to lack context. A sexy red can blow up. And as they go viral, what we latch on to, you know, what, what the hood black girls might latch on to for sexy red The other people who didn't find out about Sexy Red from that might not know what that is. So then they're going to explain it. And then the other people are latching on. Then we got the people that's like, well, why do people like her in the first place? Everybody's asking that question, but nobody is actually has the source of it. And also we can't always rely on the Sexy Reds to be able to explain that back. That's why what me and you do is important as journalists. So I, I guess the one thing I will say is something that I'm disappointed that has not changed. Is that Purse First is still the only podcast that's exclusively about female and queer rappers. Yeah. It's also kind of disheartening because I'm also like, okay, so are we actually valuing the rap girls or... Are we only appreciating them when they become pop stars because of the 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 kind of aesthetic presentation and the cultural presentation that they're giving us? But we're not actually seeing like the investment in them as creators in like the space of hip hop. There are so many hip hop podcasts that exist, and and this is the one that is exclusively this. And and like and we not and we also like not a, a hugely popular podcast. Like we you know like we're very modest in the small fan base, independent podcast, but that's also why I think we're headed towards a subgenre. I I wish that the rap girls had more than them to talk to. And I wish that me and Pierre were, you know, funded enough so that we could be regularly the folks that they come talk to when they want to have a conversation about their music and about the culture and shit like that. That's why we exist. That's why we do what we do.
1: Absolutely. Because y'all are doing such a service in a space that has so that has so much noise and, and so much real music journalism on a lot of platforms just is not there because you're having, you know, the folks who who may like there are some some good interviewers who may be like rappers or, you know, celebrities or influence or whatever, but that still can be very few and far between and they are not journalists. Exactly. And yeah. what y'all are doing is amazing. Make sure y'all go check out Purse First. They have some bomb ass conversations and interviews on there. Love your interview with Trina. Love the baby love uh, interview. Iconic. Like, literally all of them. All of them. The internet is full of things I didn't know. So each week I share what I learned on the internet and my guest tells me what they've learned. I'll kick it off. What I learned on the internet this week was that Flavor Flav, Can sing the national anthem Better than Fergie Let me tell you I saw that And I I had so many questions I'm not even gonna lie I had so many questions but I sat there and watched it And baby when I Tell you he took his time like mm-hmm. he was singing a solo in a church choir, it didn't sound good, but it felt good. But he it dragged, felt good, yeah. okay. He he dragged them notes, and I was like, you Shout know out what? To flavor Just because of this, I'ma go back and I'm a I'm to rewatch Flavor Love for the umpteenth time. Because I love Flavor like, Love so much, girl. Uh, that right. was our love island, okay? No, for real. That was our,
2: baby, I love Flavor of Love. Appointment
1: TV. And I watch, watch all, the all the spinoffs.
2: Let me think, what What did I learn? Um, oh, I learned that apparently Ruby Rose is dating French Montana now. Shut up. And that, I don't know what it was. I don't know why that shook me to my core, <laughs> but- <laughs>
1: I was about to say something that we can't, that we can't uh, repeat on this down. That, that, that,
2: that that shook me to, that, that really shook me to my core, but also in finding that out, I also found out that, um, Ruby Rose is, um, speaks French and also lived in Switzerland for a little bit. And also what I found out is that what I learned actually this week is that there actually isn't really any nudity on Ruby Rose's OnlyFans. That's also the getcha gotcha about all of the slut shaming that we see on Ruby Rose for being an OnlyFans creator. Oh,
1: that's Um, hilarious.
2: Yeah, there isn't. I I literally like subscribe to a couple of videos to like just, you know, I did did my research.
1: Yeah. Wow.
2: She posts a bunch of photos and then it might be like two or three, like 20 second videos of her like twerking in a thong.
1: I love that because the girls is doing that on IG just for free you know
2: and that's why she ain't stopped yet because also let's be clear y'all the industry not paying the girls what they should that's why she's still doing OnlyFans. because i guarantee you she's making probably very comparable to what she makes in the music industry on OnlyFans, if not more
1: okay and in so, this recession in this recession in this baby economy, with the inflation the
2: way it is girl you got to do something so listen, this was so much fun, Taryn. Yeah,
1: I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad that you joined. Thank you so much, Cecily. Go ahead. Shout out what you're listening to to get you through the week.
2: Absolutely. I'm actually listening to um, Callie, who was another one of my favorite rappers, dropped like a little short EP um called Fuck Girl Season. I've been listening to that. I also have still been listening to Scarlet by Doja Cat. Yes. Um, follow me on TikTok at Bad Fat Black Girl. I'm also listening to my own videos back to back to back because I be spitting. Um, if you like rap girl shit, um, follow me there.
1: <laughs> I know that's right. Thank you so much, Cecily. <laughs> thank you. Boo. You're amazing. Love so you so you. much, girl. Okay, that's the show, y'all. Thank you, Cecily, for joining me this week. And thank you guys for listening. I'm always open to learning about what you all want to hear on the show. So if there's a topic or story you want me to explore, hit me up at underscore tearing it up or tearing.finley at huffpost.com. This show is produced by ACAST and recorded right here in Brooklyn, baby. Until next time, bye, y'all.
0: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim?